This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter. All right, we are uh, in a second week of a series that we have called Rhythms of Grace, and we are in a busy fall season. It's kind of a second new year for us. For most of you, vacation time is over, and school is ramping back up, and for many of you, your jobs are ramping back up, and we're moving into Christmas less than four months away. It's a busy time in the fall, and and what we want to have uh, for our lives this fall is a good rhythm. Want to have a good rhythm because it's not like our to-do list is going to shrink. The things that we have to do all of the time, all of life is going to happen, and then more parts of life are going to happen. And so we need to have God's grace to help us to establish a healthy rhythm, and God wants to do that. He is the giver of life. He knows the healthy way to live life. And so that's kind of what we're looking at this series. This, uh, the word rhythm just means a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound, and that's what we have in the songs that we sing. There's a rhythm, the backbone of a song that helps us to sing along to the rhythm, and it's there, and it's a steady beat. And that's the way we need to discover life, that life um, that God gives us from his grace helps us to live in his rhythm. John chapter 1, verse 16, the Amplified says this, For out of his faithfulness, the superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace. Everybody say grace upon grace. That's a lot. That's more than we need. Grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. And this is what God is giving to us. So we want to establish our lives in God's grace, not do our own rhythm, not just my rhythm and what I can dream up, that we want to establish a rhythm based on God's pattern for our lives, his strength in our lives, his um, ability in our lives, and all of those things are in the context of God's grace. Now, just a definition or a few definitions of the word grace. Um, The word grace in biblical parlance means the specifics that God gives to us, like forgiveness and repentance and healing and blessing and regeneration and salvation, all of these individual things that we see, all the promises of God in the scripture, they come from God's grace. Another definition is the whole of God's activity toward man. All of God's activity toward us. The fact that we can breathe and the fact that we're alive is all from God's grace. And then it's also narrow to all the things that I just mentioned. Grace is God's empowering presence, that the Holy Spirit is in us, that the Holy Spirit is with us all of the time. And what does his um, presence do in our lives? The scripture describes the Holy Spirit that he is our helper. He empowers us. So as we move into this busy fall season, as we move into all of the things that we have to do and accomplish, we don't want those things to overwhelm us, but we know that God's grace is more than enough. His empowering presence is there with us for all of the things that we have to do. And then a very famous, simple description of God's grace is God's unmerited favor toward man. Two very important words when we think about grace. It's unmerited. In other words, I didn't deserve it. And the only reason I get it is because of the finished work of the cross. 
It's the, the only reason that we receive it is because Jesus did something for I don't deserve it in and of myself, in and of my moral performance, because you aren't a perfectly moral performer. And it's not some religion that I put forward to God, and then God will do something based on what I give to him. No, it's unmerited. He gives it to me out of his goodness, out of his character, out of the finished work of the cross. And then it's favor. God's favor, God's blessing, God, God's ability towards you. If somebody that you know has a, a certain measure of ability in, in one area of life, they can do you a favor. How much more can God give us favor in all the areas of life? Unmerited favor. Now, those are important twins. They go together. Because if you just get stuck on the unmerited part, you'll just think you're a worm, useless, no good, dirty dog in the world. Yeah, I don't deserve it. No, but then there's favor. There's favor given to you, God's favor. And if you just focus on the favor, it's like, I just need the favor of God. You, you've forgotten that you didn't actually deserve it. That it is uh, something that we should be grateful for, grateful for the favor of God based on what Jesus has done for us, God's unmerited favor. So Jesus is our example from the scripture of this pattern. We see that he would minister to multitudes and he would minister to individuals, but then he would also come apart. He, he would go by the sea or he would go to the desert or he would go to the mountains, but he was constantly ministering and training his disciples and doing all of the things that we see in the Gospels. And John even said this, if, if all of the works that Jesus did were recorded, that all of the volumes of the, all the volumes of books of the world couldn't hold all that he did, but he also came apart. He wasn't always working. He wasn't always doing. He was setting time aside, spending time with God. So Matthew chapter 11, Jesus talked about this, and we had this up on the screen earlier. I'm going to read it here from two translations. Matthew 11:28 from the ESV says this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Talking about something on the inside of you. And then he says this, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And once again, a yoke is a rabbi's interpretation of the scripture in this time. That a rabbi, his, his teaching was called his yoke. And Jesus is saying the way Jesus interprets God and the scripture, it's easy and it's light. It's not some heavy burden to bear. It is actually life-giving. When we understand the scripture and we understand God in the right terms, it's light and it's easy. But for them in this time, the, the, the religious thought was all of these laws and rules, over 600 uh, laws and practices that they had to fulfill. And if they broke any one of them, the religious leaders were mad at them. And then the religious leaders were telling them God was mad at them. So that's what Jesus is referring, heavy laden. There's a burden on you. There's this really heavy thing. And then life can be like this. Life can be heavy. We can look at our to-do list and it can be heavy and it's strong and it's too big. And we can look at life from sort of underneath that I'm looking up and all, all of these things that I have to do are sort of hanging over my head. But when we interpret life the right way based on God's strength and his power, it's going to be easy and light when we understand what Jesus is teaching us. And then the message paraphrase says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. This relational idea, I'm not just coming to laws, inanimate 
impersonal laws. I'm actually coming to Jesus. I'm coming to God. I'm coming to, to God himself. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. We talked a lot about this last week. If you missed the message, you can catch up online. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. That he's not forcing us. These, oh, it's the unforced rhythms of grace. There's a rhythm that God has for us this fall. The rhythm of his help. And we want the rhythm of his help in our lives for all of the stuff that we have to do. So we want to walk out the rhythms of God's grace in our lives. And we see here, uh, repeated a couple times, this idea of rest. So we're going to be talking about rest um, today that we see in, in existence itself and then from the scripture that there's a daily rhythm of rest, there's a, a weekly rhythm of rest, and there's a yearly rhythm of rest. And we see these things um, in the scripture, sometimes that they would have these yearly festivals where they would have a whole week where they would be celebrating and they would be feasting and they'd be remembering about God's blessings. And so they would just take a time, a set time aside. And this is what we do when we take a vacation sometime during the year. Ultimately, uh, the beginning of that thought is from the scripture that we're just going to take some and set some time aside. And this would happen on a yearly pattern that we would set aside a few weeks just to rest, to come away, and to stop working. Everybody say, stop working. Stop working. Rest is all about stopping working. That I'm just not going to work for a while. Now, I know in our culture, and it's very easy to become a workaholic. It's very easy to become busy all the times, and our email is available to us all of the time in our hand. And we, it's very easy for us to be busy all of the time. But the idea of rest is, first of all, it means we just stop working. We're ceasing from work. And this is a principle. This is a gift that God has given to us. Work is a gift. Can I get an amen? Amen. And then rest is a gift. That God has these patterns for us. That, that this yearly idea that we would take and set some time aside. And then weekly we would have a time would be called a Sabbath, where we're just going to rest, and we're going to just, we're going to stop working, and, and we're going to, we're going to do some things that includes not working, and we'll, we'll talk about that in practical terms here in a second, but then there's a daily rest, it's called sleep, so we see that these patterns are in our lives, they're in our bodies, that we need to rest, how many know it's, we need to rest? We need to sleep. Now, when you're young, you think, well, I don't need to sleep. And then as soon as you, you know, your parents have told you, they've given you a bedtime and it's been set your whole life. And then maybe you go live, you know, uh, on, on campus at school somewhere or you get off on your own and you get a roommate or whatever the case may be. And you think to yourself, one of the first thoughts you think to yourself is, I'm going to stay up late. Sleep is not that important. I've been told my whole life to go to bed at this time. So what am I going to do? I have my freedom, so I'm going to stay up late. And then this lasts for about two weeks until you're exhausted and you realize going to bed early is actually not that bad of an idea. That rest is so important that anybody that has babies has ever had babies. 
you didn't know how important sleep was. And then you had a baby. And then for like 10 years, you didn't sleep. <laughs> a full night's sleep at night. And you realized how important it is to rest, that God gives us this, this gift of rest, this REM sleep that we have, that God, that God has just given us this gift, that it rejuvenates our lives when we rest, when we sleep. And let me encourage you, you need a good night sleep. Sound like your mom, I know. <laughs> let me, and everybody with babies knows this is true, but let me give you some negative side effects to not sleeping properly. Your, your thinking and learning and cognitive uh, processes, your concentration, your reasoning, and your problem solving are all inhibited when you don't get proper rest. And we all know this is true. If we've had a, you know, if you, you've got, you're somehow up or your kids were up, you didn't, didn't get a good night's sleep, that next day at work, how did it go? How productive were you? It wasn't that good. All of these things get affected when we don't sleep properly. Here's some other negative side effects uh, to not getting proper sleep. Heart disease from not sleeping properly. Heart attack, heart failure, all from uh, not sleeping properly. High blood pressure. Am I blessing you this morning? <laughs> I'm not trying to scare you into sleeping. I'm just trying to tell you how important sleep is. The possibility of stroke, diabetes. Here's a really important one. Lack of sex drive. Let's get a good night's sleep, friends. Can I get an amen? Single people, you don't get to say amen right there. Just wait for the ring. It's lots of time. <laughs> accidents, car accidents, vehicle accidents. There's hundreds of vehicle accidents every year attributed to lack of sleep, memory loss, depression, premature skin aging. I know someone's going to want to have a good night's sleep. And then poor judgment. All negative side effects of not getting the proper amount of sleep. So let's take this gift that God has given to us, the, things that, the thing that our body naturally wants to do every day. Sleep, such a wonderful thing to be able to sleep. And when we rest properly, it fuels the day. It fuels the week. When we get a proper night's sleep, there, there's... there's we can tackle life differently when we rest properly. We see the principle of rest here right from creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 5, it says this, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Did you notice the order? It's not that there was day and there was night. In God's mind, the day starts when you go to sleep. There was evening and there was morning the first day. That our rest fuels the day. When we sleep, it gets us ready for the day. So the day doesn't start in the morning. The day starts the night before 
when we decide to go to bed at the right time so that we can get up and be rested for the day for all of the things that we have to do. Super practical advice for us today. We see also in the principles of creation that God created the world and then what? As an example to us, he rested on the seventh day. He ceased from working. This is another thing that, that sleep is. That, that, your, that your mind shuts down or at least shuts down the, the way that you would choose to think about things and then you're dreaming and then you know, dreaming is a bunch of craziness that happens in your mind. But you're, you're, you're ceasing from work. Rest is sacred. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. We see this in the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And what does that mean? It just means it's a sacred thing. It means something that's holy means that it's set apart. We'll talk about a Sabbath day here in a second. But this whole idea of rest, this idea of ceasing from work, it is actually a holy thing. It's a sacred thing. It's a thing that God has set apart for us. It's actually a gift to us. That it fuels all of the other things that we have to do because we have to do a lot of things. And this is found in God's rhythm of grace. Proper rest that I would get a good night's sleep, that I, would, that I would esteem the time that would be set aside for me to sleep. And we see this, uh, this idea, the Sabbath, was always a problem for Jesus in his ministry, that the religious people had taken uh, the Sabbath day and they had elevated it to kind of a really weird spot, that the Sabbath became a thing that had to be served that it became this thing where you couldn't do anything. And if you did something, once again, similarly to what we mentioned before, you did something, you broke the law of the Sabbath, that the religious leaders were going to be mad at you, and then, then therefore God was mad at you because you didn't keep the Sabbath day. And really, when we don't keep a Sabbath, when we don't remember the importance of rest, we know that it's detrimental to us, Right? Like I said, if we, just, if we do, in one week, if we decide, I'm just going to sleep two hours every night for this week, we know that that's detrimental to us. That hurts us. It hurts our lives. And so this is, this is how we need to reformat in our minds. Man, the Sabbath is not some heavy thing. This idea of rest is not a heavy thing. It's a gift that God has given to us. It's found in his rhythm. So here we see a time uh, in Mark chapter 2. It says it's Jesus was always doing things on the Sabbath. One, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the, the grain fields, Mark 2, verse 23. And his disciples walked along, and they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, what are they doing? What is unlawful on the Sabbath? They're breaking the rules. He answered, have you never read what David did, and he and his companions were hungry and in need? <coughs> in, the in the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God, and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath. So we have daily rest. And the idea, the principle of the Sabbath, not some legal heavy thing, the principle, the idea of the Sabbath is you're supposed to work six days and then rest. Now, if you, taking the music metaphor, we know that 
when we place, when you place a rest at the right place in a song, that the song continues after the rest, and it can be really powerful after the rest. And that's the same that is true for us. We know that we start our day with a good night's sleep, we're ready for the day, but in the same way, on a weekly, we're supposed to be taking a day where we don't work. We're just not going to work. And now it doesn't, for this, um, for this culture, Saturday was the Sabbath. It would start on a Friday night, and they would go to Saturday night, and, and they were, and that, this was the Sabbath day for them. Now somebody's like, well, I work on Saturday. Then you need to pick another day. The legalism of it is not the day of the week. The day is not important. The rest is important. That I'm going to cease from working, and I'm going to rest that I'm, I'm not going to stay busy all the time, seven days a week, 30 or 31 days a month, 365 days a year. I'm going to sleep every night, and then every week, I'm going to take a Sabbath. I'm going to rest. Why? Because then after we take a rest, we're better after, after the rest. And this is the gift. This is the gift of the principle of the Sabbath, that the Sabbath was made for man... Not man for the Sabbath. We're not serving Sabbath. We're not serving this idea of rest. And we, oh, if I break a law on the Sabbath, God will be mad at me. No, we're missing the point of the Sabbath. The point of the Sabbath is that we rest. That we're taking a break from our work. It's a complete day of rest after seven days of work. Now, for me, the schedule uh, that I live, you know, I'm doing sermon prep, finishing sermon preparation on Saturday. I'm here ministering to you on Sunday. And then I work Monday to Thursday. And then for me, Friday is my Sabbath day. The day that every... And I don't, I'm not always 100% at good at taking a Sabbath. Sometimes there are things in life that happen and different things like that. But the majority of the Fridays for me are a Sabbath. And what I do, I just don't work. And then I get up and then I eat. And then I take a nap sometime during the day at Friday and I drive my daughter to school and I pick her up from school but I just don't do a lot of things and I try not always 100% good at it I try to disengage from work why because this principle is true because if I know if I'm able to unhook if I'm able to rest then after I rest something powerful can happen now, you might do different things on your Sabbath day. Some, some of the things that we should do on the Sabbath day, some of the, what we're supposed to be doing is we're remembering God. That some of the things that we should do on our day of rest, we should worship God. That we should be glad that we have the ability to work the six other days. That God has given us the ability to work, that we should spend time worshiping, that we should spend time praying, that we're setting this time aside. Partly what we do, we think about Sabbath day is we're, we're going to have family day. We're going to do something with the family. We're going to play a game. We're going to try to put our phones aside. And we're going to be together. This is unhooking from our normal routine of, of work and school and, and commuting and, and grocery shopping and all the stuff that we're doing all of the time. We're like, okay, it's time to take a break. And God has given this to us all as a gift if we listen. Sabbath is not a hard thing. It's a good thing, but we got to choose. we got to pick a day sometime during the week where I'm, I'm just going to unhook and I'm not going to work. And see, partly what we're doing when we decide to take a Sabbath, and I, I'm going to say to myself, I'm not working, partly what I'm telling myself and then I'm telling God 
See, when we work, we're providing something for our family, right? Or we're providing something for ourselves. And when we take a break from working, we are showing God that we realize that he is the ultimate provider. Not just me and my busyness and what can I do and how many hours can I work and how many jobs can I get and what can I do to provide? It's like, no, 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 I'm going to take a break and I'm going to say, you know, I remember, God, that you're my provider. It's the same principle as tithing. That I'm going to set that 10% aside because I know that God can do more with the 90% in my life with me honoring him than me just trying to control all of my money. No, I'm, I'm going to give it up to God, and I'm going to put my trust in God for my resources. Not just me and what I can do and how I can manage it. No, I'm going to put my faith in God. How I can work and what I can do. No, no, Sabbath says, God, you're the ultimate provider. That you are going to provide for me and my family. So we're, we're not going to work on the Sabbath day. We're going to pray, we're going to worship, we're going to be thankful, we're going to eat. We're going to drink, we're going to have family time, we're going to relax, we're not going to work, we're going to have a nap. Are you out there this morning? And the Sabbath will infuse our lives with strength. So there's this physical rest that God wants us to partake in, but then there's another type of rest. And there's a correlation to rest for our bodies and rest for our souls that Jesus talked about. And it is a life of faith. Living a life of faith is like physical rest. When I choose to live a life of faith, because when we, when, when, there, there's so many mental wranglings and emotional wranglings that we go through with all of the stuff of life. Things come our way, and what, a lot of what's happening is we're trying to imagine our way out of it, right? We're trying to think our way out of it. We're trying to reason our way out of it. We're trying to choose our way out of it. And how many of that gets exhausting? Is anyone exhausted from all of that? Well, how is this going to work out? And what are they going to do? And then what are they going to say? And how is this relationship thing going to work out? And then what about my sister? And then what about my dad? And then what about, blah, 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 what about cousin so-and-so? And what about this person on Instagram? And it's... Uh, it's, it's and all of that just becomes exhausting. But living a life of faith is living a life of rest. So faith is like physical rest. Faith is like a good night's sleep. Faith is like a Sabbath. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 says this, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news of the gospel came to us just as to them, talking about the children of Israel, that first generation that came out of Egyptian bondage. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. They heard something, but then they didn't unite it with faith. And when they didn't unite it with faith, they didn't enter into God's rest. Verse 3, for we who have believed enter that rest. As he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter in my rest. He, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. In other words, they could have walked in the rest, but they chose not to. Same would be true for us. Verse 4, 
For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Do you see the correlation that they're making there? Okay, the resting of God, that God is stopping, and then we're, we're going to stop from our work. Faith is me stopping from my work. Now, when I say that, please understand the context that I'm saying that in. That means you don't, that, but you still need a job, okay? <laughs> that's not what is being discussed here. In the, oh, I'm just going to live by faith and not have a job. No, that's stupid. That's unwise. When we're talking about ceasing from the works, it doesn't mean ceasing from your job. It's, it means ceasing from just the effort that you can give to fix a problem. The mental effort that I can put towards something, my human wisdom, my human reasoning, what can I put on this to accomplish something? That faith is me saying, God, I rely wholly on you. I put my trust in you, not just me and what I can do and what I can provide. I find my work and I can do this and what I can work I can do this, and I can fix this and I can do this. No, no. That's not rest, is it? That's not a restful way to live. What are we going to do? We're going to put our faith in God. We're going to rely on God. We're going to rest on God. Doesn't mean we're not doing anything. Doesn't mean that we're not active with our thoughts. But when we come, when we hit a wall, when we don't know, and that happens a lot in life, how does God want us to live? He wants us to live a restful, faith-filled life. I trust you, God. I, I'm not going to have my inner self in turmoil constantly, a constant inner turmoil. So much so that I can't actually physically rest. Do you see? These things all go together, friends. Have you ever stayed up late at night, and I know you have, thinking about how to fix a problem? You lay down, and you're like, I'm trying to, I got to fix this. I got to fix this. I got to fix them. How are we going to fix this situation? How am I going to do this? I don't know what to do. And then you're up, and then it's 2 a.m., and you think, I, uh, I go down to the sofa. Maybe I'll go down to the sofa, and I'll be able to sleep on the sofa. I'll, I'll change places, and then you go down to the sofa, and the same thoughts are there with you on the sofa. That's not rest. That's not rest, and then it's not rest. These things go together. He rested from all his works. And again... This passage, he said, They shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and for those who formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of disobedience. I don't want that to be me. I actually want to hear the word of God and obey it. I don't want to be a person of disobedience. A person, a life of disobedience is a life of no rest. Again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would have spoken a, 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 another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And what he's talking about is not the single day, although that's important, but what he's 
equating this to is a life of faith. A life of faith is like living a Sabbath day all of the time. It's living in rest every day, separate from the physical Sabbath day, which we're all going to take. Amen? Amen. Separate from that day, a life lived in Sabbath rest is a life of faith. I hear what God says, and I'm going to put my trust in it. I'm going to lay back in it like a good night's sleep on a good comfortable mattress. I'm just going to lay back in what he says. I'm going to put my trust in him. I'm not going to go around churning in my soul, churning in my heart, churning in my mind. That living in Sabbath is living in faith in God, completely relying on God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Think about that. Living a life of unrest is a life of disobedience. Now, now let's think about what that means now, friends. It's like, oh, God is mad at me. No, it, it means when we don't find God's rhythm, we don't, we're not living how life should be lived. Do you get it? This, this idea of rest, physical rest, Sabbath, and then the life of faith. I, I'm, I'm going to cease from my works. I'm going to put my trust in God. I'm going to put my faith in God. God, I believe you for this. I don't know how this is going to work itself out. I, I'm not sure how this thing is going to get fixed. I'm not sure exactly what to do about this relationship, but God, I put my trust in you. I don't want to live a life of disobedience. I don't want to live a life of unrest. So I'm going to put my faith in God. John chapter 4, we're almost done. Is everybody ready for a nap? <laughs> we could take a good one this afternoon. John chapter 4, verse 46. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, which is another city, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now what this means is this man made about... I've heard it a couple different ways, about an 18 or 20 mile journey to where Jesus was from his house. So this, if he didn't have a horse of some kind or whatever, didn't have a car obviously, but some sort of vehicle of transportation and he had to walk there, it would take him, generally speaking, about a day. So he was there and he was coming to Jesus and he asked him to come and heal his son. Now other times Jesus would go to somebody's house, we read Jairus's. Uh, daughter healing story a little while ago and Jesus was going to the house but here in this situation Jesus wasn't going to go to the house he said, he said come to heal his son for he was at the point of death so Jesus said to him unless you see signs and wonders you will not believe unless you see something ahead of time you won't believe 
And here is the choice of faith. Now, once again, we're going to see something. Faith is not standing on nothingness or emptiness or a blind leap into something. But Jesus is telling the guy, unless you see something, you're not going to believe something. But listen to what Jesus said to him. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Come down these 18 or 20 miles before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. Now, how many of you know in this moment, this man has a choice. He can't text anybody. Here, Jesus said, hey, is he better? Let me know if he's better because otherwise I'm going to stay here with Jesus and we'll get him to come somehow. There's no way to check. There's no way to find out. He's got a choice. What is the choice that he has in this moment? He has the choice of whether or not he's going to believe what Jesus says. Here's the choice. Here's the choice of living a life of rest or unrest. A life of faith disobedience, doubt. He says, go your way. Your son lives. He's got a choice to make. All of us have a choice every day, every moment, whether or not we're going to live in Sabbath, whether or not we're going to live in rest, whether or not we're going to live in faith. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way 18, 20 miles. Now, how many of you know on that journey home, there's a couple moments of doubt? You get going, you know, you're like a mile in. And you're thinking, what am I doing? I came to get Jesus, and now he's not coming with me, and I don't know if he's any better. You might be tempted to turn back and go to Jesus again and say, Jesus, come to my house. And this is where we all are. We are all on this 18 to 20 mile journey all of the time with the stuff we are facing. See, we sang about the promises of God earlier in the service. And the question is, are we going to believe the promises of God? Are we going to believe the words of God to us and then go our way? Or are we going to be like, Jesus, come, Jesus, come, Jesus, come to my house. At some point, we're going to have to believe what he says and not be the person that Jesus is addressing. It's like, you know, unless you see any change, you're not going to believe anything. No, the believing comes before the seeing. I'm going to put my trust in the word of God and I'm going to experience Sabbath. I'm going to experience rest. So we are all on this journey home. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering, changing. Verse 52. So he asked them the hour when he began to get, what was the start, what was the starting of the recovery time? 
They said to him yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household. But the man couldn't see anything with these eyes, but he saw something with these eyes. And this is the choice that we have to make on the journey, on this walk home, which is all of the time. Jesus says to us, in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He leaves us peace. So what do we do? We're going to go to him and just like, this is the, this, uh, this, 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 this situation. Here's the thing going on. He says to us, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And we're like, but I don't see anything. I'm trying to work it out. I'm trying to do it. I don't see anything. I'm coming to you, Lord, but I don't, looking, I don't see anything different. The life of rest, the life of faith, the life of Sabbath says, uh, you know, I have overcome the world. All right, I believe what you say. Let's go. Let's go home. I put my trust in you. He, he began to amend. Something started to happen when the dad chose to believe. What about us? Are, are we just keeping things in the I'll solve it realm? I'll solve it. I'll fix it. I, I can fix everything. I can fix all the problems in my family. I can fix all of our financial problems. I can fix all of our these problems, that problems, these problems. Why would we not want to invoke the grace of God? Why would we not want to ask for God's unmerited favor in all of our situations, in all of our circumstances? I choose to believe in your favor. So what are we doing? We're always, listen, we are always, always, I'm not joking, we are always on the long walk home. But when we believe, something starts. Do you see this? Why? Because this is the life of rest. See, the life of unrest is, I got it, God. I got it. I'll fix it. The life of rest says, here you go. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> but I trust you. I trust you. I got my faith in you. This is the life of Sabbath. This is the life of rest. Last verse, and then we're done. Psalm 116, verse 7. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. The Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Listen, you know that God is a God of blessing? God is a God of blessing. He's dealt bountifully with you. What is he wanting from us? Rest. Let's rest, my friends. Let's have a good night's sleep. Let's have a Sabbath. Let's live a life of faith. Amen. Aren't you thankful for God's word this morning? Thank you for your support. 
If you want to connect with us, you can find us online at thecitychurch.ca. 